Greetings, and thank you for tuning in to another session of the Redden Studios After Hour Podcast. I am Joshua Bell Alexander, and welcome back. Welcome back. In this series, I interview directors, producers, actors, writers, and anyone else in the world of film. So, if you know anyone who would be a great addition to the series, whether that be you, a friend, a family member, feel free to comment down below on who that will be. Now, 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 before we start, I'd like to throw out that parental warning. As the topics and discussions in this podcast may not be suitable for all ages, apparently may or may not be used, hmm, you never know. But this is also a free and non-judgmental space, and I'd like to give my guests the liberty to speak and express themselves however they feel. The interview will consist of non-simple starter questions that may lead up to follow-ups as the conversation naturally progresses. In this session, I had the opportunity and pleasure of interviewing Eric Richardson Hagen, a filmmaker, director, and writer from New York. He spoke about how important it is to follow through on your vision and to not be discouraged to craft and write the stories that you want to see and tell. Sometimes you have people telling you things or giving you suggestions on how to write or tell your stories. It's important to remember to never allow someone to alter or dull down your vision in order to make themselves feel better. This is your story. You're in charge. And the only one who can tell it how it needs to be told is you. And so, without further delay, let's jump right to it. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, um, I am a independent filmmaker from uh, the suburbs of New York City. Uh, I've been doing it. I probably came a little later than most people where um, most people go right from high school and mm -hmm. college and go to film school and, and uh, always knew they wanted to do this. And I, that wasn't my route at all. I, I kind of started in music. I worked for Tommy Boy Records for one point um, in accounting. I wasn't <laughs> AR or anything. Uh, and I actually thought I was going to be on the business side for a little while. I've always been creative, um, but I've always had an aptitude for business. So I kind of figured that was going to be my segue into entertainment in general. And at one point, I just kind of became disillusioned with the whole music industry. And uh, my cousin at the time had just graduated from NY Film School. And he had an idea for a film and asked me if I wanted to help out. And next thing I know, I said, you know what, I like this. <laughs> and have really started dedicating my time to, you know, that was 20 plus years ago, of course, okay. but, uh, you know, putting more effort into the film industry versus, you know, my original path of music. Yeah. So which one do you think that you most likely more, uh, I guess, Oh, well, what got you inspired to wanting to become a filmmaker? Because you said that, you know, you've done music or you've been inspired to do music. So what kind of led you to that path? You know, it's interesting. Um, I remember being at the Hollywood, Hollywood Black Film Festival and uh, I ran into somebody I went to high school with who is also a filmmaker. Um, he's worked on some TV shows and everything. And when he saw me, he was like, what are you doing here? I was like, you know, oh, I've got a film in the festival. He says, when did you get into film? I said, well, actually, I've always kind of been into it. Um, like I said, I was always... Right. So, in high school, I played saxophone. Uh, I took piano. Mm -hmm. um, I took clarinet. You know, I played guitar for a year. Um, and I DJed for, for, for about six or seven years. Um, but 
along with that, we had a media class, and one of the things we did in media was you learned all about the film industry, and you know, at that time it was video. Um, and the teacher at the time would let us just go in the back room and mess with the cameras and shoot stuff and edit. And so I had been doing it since high school, but it was always just something that you know you did. It was just it was a hobby. Right. Uh, even in um, English class, as opposed to writing compositions, my friends and I, we wrote scripts. And so I guess it's actually a natural transition. It's just, it was never in the forefront. I, would, I never thought of it as a career, which is something I did. Okay, really interesting. Yeah. So what genre do you normally like to, uh, I would say, write or produce or anything like that? Because um, I did manage to see like a little bit of your stuff on your IMDb page, mm -hmm. the cop drama thing. Yeah. Um, so what kind of like led you to that? Is that what you're normally? Yeah, I, I, I really like gritty crime dramas. Uh, one of my favorite films is, uh, you know, Training Day, mm -hmm. uh, Antoine Fuqua. I mean, if I had a career that I could have emulated, it would be his. Uh, I, I like, you know, everything he's done. I like his style. Um, but the gritty cop films are definitely something that I kind of look at. It, and not even just the cop films. I like when you look at Southpaw, mm -hmm. that, that feel, you know, is, is, uh, of the emotional pain and things like that, you know. I like those type of things where it's it's not clean cut. It's just not necessarily a happy ending. Um those, for some reason, kind of appeal to me. Because so. I think that most people think that films have to have a happy ending, and sometimes in life, things don't always you know, work out. So I think it's very important that um, it kind of really gets the audience involved or, yeah. or, or makes them kind of feel some type of way. It's like, oh, you know, so-and-so didn't win the day or so-and-so died or something like that. Because, you know, so those, those type of stories really, I think, are the best kind of stories. An interesting thing, I remember watching the end of uh, uh, Avengers. And I was just I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. <laughs> and when it got to the very end, and I, t and I took my kids there, and when it, everyone turned to dust, mm -hmm. I remember my daughter just said, no, it can't end this way, no. And I'm sitting there, yes, <laughs> that's how you end the movie, you know. So I... I to me, film is an emotional uh, uh, stimulant. So anything that gets you thinking, feeling, you know, reacting is going to be a good story, even if it's bad. Right. Because it's going to end up having you talking about it. And so some of my favorite films are bad movies, you know, um, or considered not great. I mean, when you really think of a uh, different generation, but uh, Golden Child, Eddie Murphy, it's a horrible movie. <laughs> But I love it. <laughs> you know? I mean, I mean that's a comedy, you know. I think, movie, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I like um, it. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I mean, when you look at the overall production value and everything that kind of goes on to in, inside of it, it's not necessarily. And don't get me wrong, it did very, very well. It's probably a cult classic and everything. But there are films that you know you can kind of look at certain things and you say, oh, that was a very good movie. But I'm, I, I'm gonna find something redeeming about it one way or another. You know. And I'm, I'm going to. 
like, oh yeah, no, did you see this particular scene, or did you like this particular angle, or this particular actor w mm -hmm. was just so, you know, uh, uh, on point with who his character was. Um, another one, uh, I like Eddie Murphy, as if yeah. you'll probably see, but Bowfinger um, is another great movie in my, uh, which is Steve Martin, but in that. I felt like Eddie Murphy should have gotten an Academy Award for his character. Like he was fantastic in it. Right. You know, like he he was completely gone. I didn't see Eddie Murphy anymore as the uh, the brother. Um, I was completely believed him, and you know, there was an emotional response and connection specifically for that. And I think anytime I look at a film, I'm looking for that, not just you know, uh, it's not just story, it's not just shots, it's you know. How can I connect with it? Two points. Um, I think also when it comes to characters, like I know sometimes as me being a writer, you want to make your characters like likable and relatable. And sometimes I, I realized that I was kind of creating characters that are almost perfect, like in a way that they have no flaws, but that's not, again, that's not realistic. So right. creating characters that people hate, creating characters that people, you know, love, you know. Um, and I think it's that, that sometimes people think, okay, it's the main character. We have to like them. But right. what if we hate them? You know, what if we despise them? You know what I'm saying? So I think that's like another way to kind of look at that as well. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it, when you look at some of these movies and you, you say um, the best characters are usually the bad ones. that You almost want to root for the bad guy. Yeah. You know, um, The Usual Suspects is another great film of mine. And uh, Kevin Spacey's character in there. Uh, uh, although he's the victim initially, you know, he ends up being the main bad guy and the, the, his trans, uh, transformation in front of you really kind of brings the film to that next level. And, you know, and the training day, Denzel Washington, I'll remember specifically watching this movie and my, my wife saying over to me, oh, I hate him. And this is a woman who normally says, "Oh, Denzel." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you have, Good. if you've written a great character and you have an actor who finds a way to connect that and bring it alive on screen, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Another great movie that I liked watching recently was One Night in Miami. You know, ah, yes. Muhammad Ali was good. Malcolm X was good. Sam Cooke, you know, like, yeah. like, like everything about that movie. I was just like. Amazing, you know. Yeah, that that I I watched that and and walked away looking up everything I could find about it. You know, the production, right. who wrote it, how it started, the fact that it came from a play. You know, the, uh, Regina King's direction on it, yeah. uh, how she found the actors, whatever uh, little uh, uh, controversy that came up in regards to mm -hmm. English actors and everything. I just, it was just a fantastic film overall. Like, and just absolutely amazed by that. So tell us about your uh, your short film, Chance Encounter. It was released, you know, eight years ago, but it still feels kind of relevant today. Yeah, uh, um, it, it, you know, that's it's sad, of course, in a lot of ways because of the fact that you're dealing with uh, preconceived notions of who we are as black people specifically. Um, but the interesting thing for me you know, and, and this is on multiple levels. Uh, first, the fact that um, the writer Paul Williams is white, and for him to write something that was so powerful to me, and when I read it, I knew, I, I immediately knew what it was. You know what this was, and it, it, it had so many different levels on it. Um, 
it it not only dealt with what was on the screen as far as this relationship between the cop and um, the other cop, um, but it also dealt with the audience's preconceived notions of what they're seeing. Because immediately when you're watching something, you're making assumptions about yourself, of, of what you're seeing. And when it turns out at the end, that's not what it is. You have to then kind of look at yourself a little bit and say, well, I judge this immediately based off the facts. And, and what the problem with that is that's the exact same thing that's happening in real life right. with you know a lot of these cops. I'm not going to say all, you know, nowhere near, um, but it's kind it, it's. I guess that randomness of you don't know what you're going to get on any particular time, you know, any any particular giving uh, moment. If you're going to get pulled over um, as a black man, you you don't know what's going to be on the other side of that. And if, in this case, in this particular film, it wasn't a real cop, you know, but it could have just as been and ended the same way. So it's sad, you know, that we're still dealing with these preconceived notions of when you get pulled over what you're going to end up dealing with. Right. You know. Right. It's kind of scary. It, it, like, like, it kind of gets you, like, anticipating something bad to happen. Mm. And then when it doesn't happen, you're kind of relieved, but it's, like, kind of sad. And, like, yeah. And, like, depressing in a way because it's, like, dang, like, I want to just, you know, live, but right. know, that, that, that fear, you know, it can really keep you. Yeah. You, you get lost. And it, it, it's, it's funny. I remember... Um, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, this was when things were really, really bad um, as far as cops pulling uh, young black men over. And I went through a three or four year period where I was getting pulled over constantly. Mm -hmm. And I want to say 80% of the time, I didn't get a ticket. And so I can remember one specific time I got pulled over they walked up to the uh, the window, and um, I happened to be dressed a certain way, butt down, mm -hmm. you know, suit jacket. They looked at me and just walked back and pulled off. They didn't say, you can go or anything. They pulled me over, lights on, I waited. They walked up to the car, looked at me, and walked off. And which is... Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did you literally just pull me over? Did I do something wrong, or you just saw a black man? Right. You know, and made an assumption. Right, right, right. You know, and then it was the exact opposite. You know, where <laughs> I've been driving, I got a tail light out, I got a cracked windshield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course, of course, of course. and I had a cop pulls over, nice as can be, and hey man, take this home, get it fixed. I don't want to see you back on the road again. So, you know, you don't know what you're gonna get. Now, that's scary. Well, what is okay? Okay, so there's several questions I want to ask because that was just so loaded. But um, do you feel obligated to write black stories, or are you like because okay, I guess I'm asking a little bit for myself mm -hmm. in terms of knowing that people expect because you're black you have to write things about our culture, you know? Because I'm into sci-fi, Avengers. We talked about, you know, what right. I'm saying. So it's like, I like different types of things. I think it's not so much an obligation to write black stories. I think it's an obligation to write stories that ref that you can relate to. So that's the only real criteria. So 
I have a very interesting, you know, uh, childhood. I mean, I went to private school where I was one of three black kids uh, as a kid, um, but grew up in all black neighborhood. Uh, but I have three um, sisters who are biracial. You know, um, my, my father's, uh, and, you know, my father black and, and their mother white. So mm -hmm. my experiences are probably a lot different than most. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I do a film, it's like, okay, I want to see somebody like me. I'm going to make sure I'm represented. Right. But it doesn't have to be all black cast. And I, I wanted to kind of represent the world I'm, I'm familiar with. So if that is, if they're coming across, you know, and he's driving through an all-white town, he's driving through an all-time. Or, or if I happen to envision the character to be white, that's what I see. So long as it re remains truthful, that's probably the, the okay. biggest thing for me, is that I want to have characters that are truthful and I can relate to and I think other people can relate to. I think, I think that's a very uh, wonderful answer because I'm just <laughs> thinking as you're talking about it and I'm thinking about Spike Lee and why he continues to make films that you know he makes and so I think I think that's probably the reason why that yeah. they choose to continue to do this is because it's real to them and right. that they can relate to you know and that's not really not saying that they don't want to step out of the comfort zone but they want to write what they know because most people you know the best stories is stuff that, that you know so right. so I actually have, uh, there was one short that I did and uh, we're trying to develop into a TV series, which is about uh, a Latino cop. So, which I am not. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I have had that experience of dr driving through, um, you know, the heights and, and seeing the culture. I had a cousin who was married to, and her husband was Dominican. So, you know, and I've got friends who are, and, and I, it's like anything, you realize that every culture is 360 and they're not always fully represented. Right. And it's the same thing. You still want to be able to say, okay, I'm looking at something that's truthful and that may not have been done before. And if I can find a, an interesting or unique spin on something, you know, I, I definitely want to kind of, you know, explore that. Gotcha. So you've been a filmmaker for a while what is what has been your best experience and then i guess your worst experience on set? Uh, <laughs> so it, it's funny um i've got a, my two best experiences you know it's not just one um i tend to keep film sets light and fun and you know jovial and even on chance account it was a cold night we shot and uh we were outside and freezing and you know, we're singing, uh, uh, we're quoting uh, <laughs> scenes from bad movies. Pootie Tang specifically. <laughs> Pootie Tang specifically. Um, and uh, Paul was actually doing uh, background fil filming on it. He did uh, uh, a little behind the scenes uh, video of it. And that was one of the, the things that brought up. And it, 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 of course, it made us all laugh. And that's... Those are the things that I always kind of remember. Like, although it was a cold night, it, we're waiting. We had to wait for actors because they were late. And, mm -hmm. you know, we ended up getting through it. Um, but I had a blast doing it. And um, another film I did, uh, The Bubblegum Hit, um, <laughs> one of our uh, uh, production assistants got sick on set and was literally just heaving his guts out 
<laughs> the entire time and we, were, we had shh <laughs> go moan in the bathroom <laughs> you know so but you know same thing bro it was something that you you walk away and you laugh about it so you know I'm one of these people sometimes the worst experiences end up being the best afterwards he was like yo remember when you know Marvin was sick and <laughs> he was holding himself he thought he was going to have to go to the hospital oh good times <laughs> so how do you deal with actors that uh, decline projects because it's not paid? Or have you ran into any instances where it's like you really want this person, but because of like like a lower budget, they weren't fully involved? Oh, all the time. But what I do find is um, the ones who are taking it strictly for the pay, you know, so there's, there's, there's a couple different uh, levels. There's the people who won't do anything unless it's SAG, right? Then you have the people who are SAG and all they're interested in is whether or not it's good content. Right. You know? And then you have the people who is, is it paid or not paid. Right. You know? And then after that, the last one is, oh, I like it. Let's just do it. It's fun. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, and I've come across all of them, you know, but at the end of the day, you want the, that last person. You want the person exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So now, but at the same time, you want to, you want that last person, but they got to be talented, right? You know? exactly. So, exactly. yeah, um, I take it as it's a part of the game. It's you know, part of the business. You, the whole thing is to try and work with talented people and find people that will have a common interest and and everyone's pushing to get this to the end. So when you find that, I think that, you know, you, you usually be able to find magic. All right. So what was something that you wish that you knew uh, 10 years ago? Oh, be strong on what it is you're trying to achieve. Um, what I mean, my first film, I listened to too many outside opinions and it changed with the overall goal. Now, what I always say is, when you, when you know exactly what it is you're trying to achieve, you understand your tone, you understand the story um, and the end goal, then it's okay to, you know, bend so long as it helps what you're trying to achieve, you know. If it helps the film, if it helps, if the dialogue changes slightly, but it's okay because it helps yeah. the film, yeah, yeah. that's fine, you know. If the character, the way it's played is okay because it helps the film, fine. But... When people start saying, you know, no, you shouldn't do it that way, and you start listening to them, mm -hmm. mm, you, mm -hmm. you got to make sure you fall back on your story and say, no, this is the tone, this is my yeah. story, this is how it's supposed to be, so that way you can fall into it and don't listen to the outside people, you know, you know, unless it assists what it is you're trying to achieve. I had a similar situation where I had another writer was giving me suggestions on changing a character because it was like, oh, this character, let's make him an asshole. And I'm like, no, I want to keep him like this. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it was just so funny to hear that. There's like, you know, that that happens. And yeah. I've had instances where I did a film and, you know, I like to have a collaborative process of people giving ideas. Actors, oh, you know, how would you approach this scene? But then it, it got to the point where they were giving too many suggestions and I'm explaining to them, no, why? And we're taking up film time. Right, you know, explaining why it's gonna work this way, you know what I'm saying. So it's just better to just say no. Like 
I'm director. Don't ask me no question. You know what I'm right, right. It, it, and sometimes you don't have enough time to yeah, explain. So yeah, it's like, yeah. look, you're taking up time. I, yeah, I, yeah. Just do it the way I'm asking you to do it. And then I'll explain to you after the fact. I remember specifically um, there was a scene in my first feature um, when I, uh, the character goes to grab the young lady. Mm -hmm. And when she turns, there's a reveal because the guy, it, it's, it, he's, he's having an emotional disturbance of sorts. So when he sees, he sees something other than what is really there, you know, uh, and I had a very specific way to turn and everyone was trying, no, 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 no. It has to turn this way so that when she turns, his hand is on this side of the shoulder. If he turns with this side, it's going to cross. Or if it's going to, it's going to block. And, and it's like, you have to do things a certain way for, this one is specifically for the camera. Right. <laughs> right. And people don't think beyond that. They're only thinking about, right. you know, the action itself. Right. So, once again, you got to see the big picture of right. it. How has COVID-19 uh, impacted you at all? Oh, I hate COVID. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, it's made it very difficult because uh, we were in the process of putting together uh, another feature last year and started getting the actors together. We were trying to shoot, trying to figure, figure out how to be socially distanced, but at the same time, um, you know, within proximity at the same time. And it just became impossible. It, it, it's getting locations became very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and you can still see the nervousness inside the, car uh, the, the actors when we were working with other people. So, you know, ultimately yeah. I just said, you know, we'll try and, you know, we, we'll try and approach this again next year, you know, when things are better. Yeah, <laughs> that, that sucks because you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. So you got to just, the bones, like you know what? Yeah. Pull the plug. Yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> Which hurts as a filmmaker. Yeah, you yeah. never want to be able to pull. You know, yeah. you always want to see whatever you're doing to the very end, and to say oh, I got through this, and you know, and I was pushing hard, but at some point I just said this isn't working. Yeah. Let it go. So, what advice would you have for an upcoming uh, filmmaker? Understand your tone. Understand mm -hmm. the film that you're trying to make um, from beginning to end. It doesn't mean that it, it can't change, but when you look at your script, you know, whoever wrote it, have a full understanding of all these characters and what they mean, and then be open to the opportunities that your actors might bring for those characters. And, and you got to trust those people. So um, the more you know your film, the easy the rest is, it's easier to hire a DP because when you have a conversation about what the look is of the mm -hmm. film, you and he says, okay, I get it, and he shows you a sample, you don't have to worry about it the rest of the time. But when you hire your actors and you have a conversation what it is and uh, who these characters are, and they come back to you and say, this is what I created, and you said, that's either not what I want or that's better than <laughs> hey. I was expecting, then you say, okay, I'm fine. Whatever comes out of your mouth because you are fully engaged in that character. You you fully understand who that character is. Right. So it, it shapes everything. Fully know your script more than anything else. Understand that script from beginning, back and forth, the methodology, the thinking. Then you're going to be fine. So what's next for you? Um, I have been working on my passion project for a few years now. Um, 
the uh, story of John Henry. Um, this is the former slave who mm-hmm. uh, beat a, a, the machine and, and, and died. You know, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, this has been a passion project for my for very for a number of years. We've gotten kind of close in making it before, but we're back on that. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be able to move forward. Um, then I'm working on uh, the series um, based off of a, a short that I did before called um, it was called Snitch, and now it's called Domingo. That's the yeah, one about yeah, the Latino yeah, cop. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, depending on how COVID. Uh, wraps up if we can get back into theaters um, I'm hoping to bring my play back in the fall so so what is your uh, social media so people can find you uh, best ways place is always find me on my website uh, ericrichardsonhagens.com and um, you can follow me on twitter uh, it's eric storyteller uh, and I forget what my instagram is I don't call it very hard yeah <laughs> right but if you type in Eric Storyteller, I'm sure you'll find me right. some way or another. Right. So. Thank you so much, uh, Eric Richards and uh, Hagens, for coming on this show and spreading your wisdom and mm-hmm. you know your insight on what it means to really be a filmmaker. Because thank you for having you me. You know, this show it. was creative, so people can have uh, an idea if they want to go into it. So they hear these stories, they hear these interviews, and it kind of helps them, you know, either encourage them to make it or deters them and right. hopefully if it does deter them not in a bad way but to make them think okay maybe i need to rethink my steps or my approach or maybe become a lot more serious about you know being a pilot of, of a filmmaker well i appreciate it It was a great conversation uh, thank you for having me right. you know, anytime you do it call me i'm here okay. <laughs> right. so did you enjoy the video why not give it a thumbs up Subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the notification bell so you can be alerted when we post something new. Follow us on Instagram at the Fisher Revenue Studios. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you again.